Hello! Welcome to another story about the Peters family. The name of this week's story is Penelope Shares the Word Literally, Part 1. It's a cliffhanger, so you'll need to come back next week to hear the exciting finish. Don't miss it. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week's winners, with their correct answer of when we all get to heaven, from the story, Penelope's Invitation, were siblings Emmy, Roddy, and Maggie of Concord, California. Good job! Also, a couple of weeks ago, Mason of Lubbock, Texas was our winner with his answer of Before the Throne of God Above. However, I neglected to mention two things. First, I forgot to reference the name of the story, Penelope Isn't Perfect. And second, Mason has a sister, Madeline, who also listens along with him. So to Mason and Madeline and all of our listeners, we are thankful for you, and we hope that our stories will help you learn more of Jesus and that they'll help you apply biblical principles to your everyday life. Keep listening. Now let's get to this week's story. Penelope Shares the Word Literally, Part 1. The ringing of the doorbell at the Peters' home was nothing unusual given the community of friends and church family who lived in close proximity to them. And as it is in most homes which have children, the typical response is when the doorbell rings, most kids will make a mad dash to the door. It was no different in the Peters' home. When the bell rang, Penelope was upstairs playing with her toddler twin sisters, Patience and Priscilla. It had been a long day of schooling, and her mind was decompressing as she played Little Miss Molly. But when she heard the bell, like the other children in the house, she set off running, hopeful that the person on the other side of the door would be one of her friends. Pearson, who had been in the living room reading an adventure novel about a man stranded on an island, was first to the finish as he was closest to the front door. But even if he hadn't been, Penelope would need a solid lead on him because of his wheels. That boy could run. As he opened the door, right after yelling out, Can I get it? to Mama Peters, who always looked out the kitchen window first so she could get a proper view of the porch, gave Pearson permission to answer the door. Pearson threw open the door. Oh, hey, Nora. Pearson tried to disguise the disappointment in his voice that Nora was not there to play with him. Come on in. Nellie is... Here I am, Penelope answered excitedly. Oh, hi, Penelope. I came to play if you can. Can you? Nora wanted to know. I think so. But let me ask Mama Peters. Penelope scurried into the kitchen, and within seconds, she was back. Mama Peters says it's okay if you stay and play with us. The twins and I are playing Little Miss Molly. Want to join us? Oh, I love Little Miss Molly, Nora said excitedly. Ever since the Harvest Festival, there had been a big, distinguishable change in Nora. Normally, she was pretty hard to please. And if she didn't get her way, well, you just better look out. But Nora had believed that Jesus is God, that he had died on the cross for her sins, and she had repented of her sins, bringing her in a new relationship with Christ. So she was significantly more easygoing, and she was more desirable to be around, especially for Daddy and Mama Peters, who had been quite concerned about Nora's influence prior to the Harvest Festival. 
Mama Peters had followed Penelope in from the kitchen. Hi, Nora. It's so good to see you. Are you ladies going upstairs? Mama Peters included the twins in the equation, who had made it almost to the bottom of the stairs, but their little legs just couldn't quite keep up with their siblings' bigger legs. Oh, hi, Mama Peters. Thank you for letting me come over. Yes, I'm going to play upstairs with the girls. Oh, Nora, any time, really. We're so happy to have you. Mama Peters was ever and always gracious to their guests. Okay, Patience, Priscilla, and Nora, let's go upstairs and play Little Miss Molly. As they all began to ascend the stairs, Penelope stopped in her tracks. Oh, yes, Mama Peters. Remember, we're going to make cookies, so please call me down when it's time to make them. Well, of course, darling. I have no plans to make them myself. I have a really fun afternoon planned for me. I'm going to kick back on the couch and... Full clothes! Mama Peters chuckled. (laughs) Oh, Mama Peters, you're so funny! Penelope's love for Mama Peters was obvious. Okay, we'll come down when you call us, Mama Peters. Nora, you're interested in making cookies too, right? Well, sure, Penelope. That sounds like fun. After the girls were upstairs and settled in Penelope's bedroom, Nora asked which doll she could play with. Penelope's Little Miss Molly doll collection had grown exponentially, and when combined with the twins' doll collection, it was rather large. So after a moment of looking over the collection, she set aside two of the dolls for Nora. At one time, Nora would have just grabbed the doll she wanted with no thought of anyone else. But the difference Jesus had made in her life was palpable. Within a few minutes, all four of the girls were playing school, house, and movie theater. They got lost in the storyline of their imaginations, swapping ideas seamlessly and making up all kinds of scenarios. But when Penelope mentioned that little Miss Molly wanted her children to go to bed early so they could be up for church in the morning, Nora stopped playing and looked at Penelope. Her shoulders slumped, and there was a discernible change in her demeanor. Her voice was hushed when she spoke. Penelope, I sure wish I could come to church with you. I really want to come back. She noted genuinely with no hint of fishing for an invitation. She simply meant what she said. Well, Nora, you know you can. I'd love for you to come this Sunday. I mean, every Sunday, Penelope answered enthusiastically. The twins followed suit. Yeah, Nora, unable to pronounce their R's properly. Well, I know. I know I'm welcome here. But that's not the trouble. The trouble is my parents. And actually, it's not my parents. It's my parent. Mom doesn't want me to go to church. She said she was creeped out by all the singing and raising hands, and also she says it's really strict at your church. Nora was quite dismayed. Really? Penelope replied. Yeah, my mom said that she doesn't like that your pastor talks so much about sin and stuff. It makes her feel judged, is what she says. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't think anyone was judging your mom, Nora. No, I don't think so either. And one of the things that your pastor said, Well, I looked it up at the library because it was a verse that talked about about that. It was real interesting, and I did a word lookup for it. I wanted to know why Mom might feel judged, and I think I have a pretty good answer. I don't have a Bible at home, but I I found one at the library, and I... Wait, Penelope, do you have a Bible? Because I want to show you this verse I found. Penelope jumped up and retrieved her Bible. She handed it to Nora. Nora thumbed through the pages. Here it is. It's Romans 2.15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. I think, and, and you probably know more about this than me, Penelope, but 
I think that verse says that everyone knows what's right and wrong because our conscience is built into our hearts by God. And I, I think the conflicting thoughts are, are that means that um, our conscience, sometimes we might say, Nora stammered and appeared to be collecting her thoughts. Uh, I think it just means that, like, sometimes we might think we're, our conscience might say you're not obeying your conscience, or the conflicting other thought would be you are obeying co- your conscience. So I, I think that when mom feels judged, it's maybe because she feels in her heart that she's not obeying and she feels accused by her own conscience. So mom blames that feeling on your church. Nora sounded somewhat dejected. Wow, Nora, that's so neat. Thank you for telling me about that. You said it in a way I could totally understand. I could never have said it like that. Penelope was in awe of her friend's newfound zeal and knowledge. Well, I've been able to find out a lot of things about the Bible just from books at the library. I've been trying to ride my bike there a few times a week after school. So you're reading a library Bible? Penelope was quite surprised by that. Well, yeah, of course. Remember, I said I don't have a Bible and I want to learn more about God, so I don't know how else to learn it, except I think the Bible's a pretty good place to learn about God. Nora, that is so cool. But here, Penelope walked over to her bookshelf and picked up a Bible, handing it to Nora. What? You don't have to give me your Bible, Penelope. No, I want you to have it. Actually, it's an extra one I have. I got a new one last Christmas, so I don't need this one. It's in good shape, but I wanted one with a soft cover. This is the hard cover, but it's still really nice. It is nice, Penelope. I love it. Thank you. Nora was so happy to have a Bible to herself. But I'm going to have to hide it in my house because my mom does not want me to have a Bible. What? Penelope was positively aghast. Well, yeah, she doesn't want me to have anything to do with God. So I don't even know what to do. So that's why I go to the library. Nora sounded wistful. Oh, Nora, that is so sad. Penelope's tone was one of sympathy for her friend. Yeah, I know, Pen. I, and I don't even, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but lately, my mom doesn't really want me to come over here either. Nora replied softly. She doesn't? Okay, I'll try not to have hurt feelings, Nora. Penelope was getting sadder and sadder. It's not you, Pen. It's God. Mom doesn't want me to know God or anything about him. Nora sighed. (sighs) And Mom also said that it's most important to her that we just believe science. Well, that's really odd, Nora, because I believe science. Penelope sounded confused. Science is God's truth, and it never ever conflicts with anything that God says. That's a really strange thing to say. Penelope easily shared her knowledge about science being God's truth, since she had memorized an apologetic question and answer flow in Sunday school that they had practiced for weeks. Plus, the Bible says all kinds of stuff about creation. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it talks about all the things that God created on individual days, and that he spoke the world into existence. And in Psalm 8, it talks about how God made the heavens, which is the work of his fingers, and the moon and the stars he put in place. That's the science we believe, and because it's true, it's from God's word. When she was finished... Nora was struck by how much Penelope seemed to know. Well, Pen, that's a good answer. Thanks, Nora, but but I learned all of this from Sunday school. We have these apologetic booklets. Our teacher said that apologetics means that something that we learn to defend what we believe. 
And anyway, we have these booklets in our Sunday school class, and every week we get to go over the questions and answers. So it's easy to remember stuff like that science is God's truth. And if you ever get to come back to church, and and let's pray that you can, well, you'll get to you'll get to learn this stuff too, Nora. Mom sure wouldn't want me believing the stuff you just told me about Penelope from the Bible. She doesn't want anyone to to think that there might be an invisible world like God is invisible and he's a spirit. That's how my mom believes anyway, Nora answered. But why? Penelope questioned. I really don't know why, Pen. Dad doesn't care so much. He said it's not a big deal and, and these things have a way of working themselves out. And I think he would let me go. But he said it's up to my mom. But he also said that, that if my mom lets me go, I'll probably end up just fine. But what Dad doesn't know is that it's not fine to just ignore God. Nora looked slightly downcast. Wow, Nora, you have a lot going on at your house that I didn't even know about. Yep, it's sure different than your house, Penelope. But I love my mom and dad. It's just that they get real concerned because I've asked a lot about going to church. So I'm really not allowed to talk about it anymore. And and mom just said to stop asking her because the answer wasn't going to change. Nora explained. That must be really hard for you, Nora. I'm sorry. It's okay, Pen. I'm finding ways to study, and I prayed Mom would let me come over here today. So God's answering some prayers. Oh, that's great, Nora. And I'm so happy you could come over. Maybe we should just pray that your mom will allow you to come with us to church. You mean right now? Nora asked. Yeah, I think it would be a good idea, Nora. Okay, Pen. If that's what you want, that would be great. Okay. So let's pray. Priscilla and Patience, would you close your eyes, please? Penelope loved watching her baby sisters so sweetly bow their heads. She watched them fold their pudgy hands obediently. Penelope began to pray. Lord, thank you so much for Nora. You provided a friend for me who loves you, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for saving her and for saving me. And Lord? Penelope paused and slowed down her cadence. Please, would you give salvation to the twins? They are so sweet, and there would be nothing better than to have them join us in heaven someday. Actually, would you save Nora's mom and dad, too? It would be so wonderful, Lord, if you did. And help Nora be a good witness to them. Help her to honor her mom and dad in every way she can. But please help her to be allowed to come to church with us. Help her to be able to keep this Bible hidden. Please, Jesus. Amen. Nora opened her eyes, which were teary, and hugged Penelope and the twins. Thank you, Pen. Hey, Nora, I have a great idea. How about you put your Bible in this bag? I don't need it. I have a different bag for my dolls now. And we can also put a couple of dolls in there just in case, so that if your mom looks on the top, she'll only see the dolls and the doll clothes, because the Bible will be underneath. Penelope had heard through a ministry at church that one of the ways the missionaries got Bibles into countries that forbid Bibles was to hide them under clothes and other items. And she felt like a smuggler all of a sudden. But it was for the sake of the Lord, so she didn't feel badly. Well, that sounds like a good idea. Nora seemed a bit hesitant. If you think that's what we should do, Penelope, I sure do want to tell Mom about my Bible, but I don't think I can do that right now. I'm just going to pray that I can tell her about it soon and and that she won't be angry and that she'll be... Her heart will be softer. Nora had grown a bit despondent. The girls went to work, placing the Bible in the bottom of the bag, and then piling dolls and doll clothes on top. It looked wonderful, and it was done just in time as the phone rang. 
and moments later, Mama Peters ascended the stairs and came into the room to tell Nora that her mom had called and wanted her to come home. After seeing Nora to the door and bidding her friend goodbye, Penelope walked into the kitchen to start the cookies. She loved that Mama Peters almost always had hymns playing in the background. As the hymn, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go, streamed, Penelope began taking out the ingredients for the cookies. She could hardly wait to tell Mama Peters all about Nora and the clandestine Bible, so she began giving details above the din of the mixer, creaming the butter and sugar. Mama Peters listened as Penelope talked on for a while. Mama Peters, who was a patient listener, peeled carrots and asked prompting questions. When Penelope got to the part about the Bible, Mama Peters looked concerned. Hmm, Pen, I'm not sure I feel super comfortable about that. I don't want to encourage Nora to lie ever or to have secrets from her mom. Penelope stopped the mixer. She looked mortified. I know Mama Peters, but she needs a Bible. Well, I do understand that, Pen, but I think asking permission might be more respectful. I'll need to talk to Daddy Peters about it tonight so that we can come up with a solution. We can have Nora over again, and we can talk about what to do about the Bible. I'm sorry, Mama Peters. I, I wasn't trying to do wrong. I, I was just thinking about how the Bible smugglers, remember the ones we learned about at church? They would smuggle Bibles into countries that, that, that wouldn't let them in? I understand, honey, and I'm not upset at all. You did the right thing by giving her your Bible, but hiding it isn't the best idea. Okay, Mama Peters, I should have asked you about it before I sent the Bible home with Nora like that. All of a sudden, Penelope didn't feel like a Bible smuggler. Instead, she felt as though she had just made a big mess of things. That would have been a good idea, Pen. So in the future, let's talk about things like that before you just venture out on your own. But it's okay, and we can talk to the Lord about it. But just then, the doorbell rang. Only it didn't ring once. It rang repeatedly. As if the person ringing it was in a panic state, Mama Peters quickly wiped her hands on her apron and crossed over to the kitchen window. It's Nora and her mom, Mrs. Thompson. Pearson, go ahead and answer the door, bud. Mama Peters walked into the foyer just as Mrs. Thompson was being let in. Hi, Mama Peters. Look what I found hiding in the backpack Penelope so generously gave to Nora. And there, in the hands of Mrs. Thompson, was the Bible. This was no friendly visit from a neighbor. Mrs. Thompson looked absolutely downright angry, and Mama Peters' face flushed as she began to answer. This is Grandmom's Corner. When I read part one of this week's story, I could hardly wait to know the end of the story. As Mama Peters pointed out to Penelope, it is never a good idea to hide anything from your parents. And next week, in part two of this story, you'll learn what happens as a result of Penelope taking matters into her own hands without consulting Mama Peters first. It is an exciting conclusion. Certainly, Penelope had good intentions. She valued God's word and knew how important it was to read it, obey it, and memorize it. And there is no other book like the Bible. It is God's written word, and we must read it. There are so many people in the world who don't have a Bible, and there are missionaries who dedicate years of their lives to translate the Bible into the language of the people of a particular region. This week, 
I have some book recommendations for you to read or to ask your parents to read them to you. All three of them are page turners, which means it's really hard to put the book down and stop reading. The first book is titled God Smuggler, about a real-life Bible smuggler. You'll be amazed by how many times God protected the author, Brother Andrew, as he smuggled Bibles into a country so that people could have their own copy of God's Word. The second book is Bruchko, and it's another astounding story of how God used a 19-year-old young man to bring the gospel to an unreached Indian tribe who lived in the jungles of South America. Bruce Olson, the missionary, loved linguistics. In other words, he loved different languages, but had no missionary training. What he had, though, was a desire to bring God's Word to unbelievers. I would recommend this book for older kids or for parents to read it to their family. Finally, the last book is called Poking Holes in the Darkness. It may not be easy to find, but if you can find it, you'll have a treasure. It is about a couple who go to Papua New Guinea to spread the gospel to the Mangalese people and translate the Bible into their language. It took many years to translate the New Testament into the Mangalese language. During that time, God brought many people to himself through the spread of the gospel in that part of the world. After the Bibles were printed, a plane brought 500 Bibles to the people. One of the first people to receive the Bible was a woman named Sonalu of the Mangalese people. The missionary handed Sonalu a Bible, but she didn't open it at first. Instead, as the missionary writes, she took it and just stood there holding it. With her eyes closed, she cradled the book to her chest and rocked it back and forth as if it were a baby. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, she said as tears spilled over her cheeks. The glorious message of the Bible is the gospel and it changes lives. Sonalu used to worship spirits of what she believed were her dead ancestors, but now she worshiped the only true God. The Bible is transformative it will change our lives for the better if we apply its principles. Most of us have several Bibles in our homes, but do we value the Bible as we should? I sure don't. Oh, I read it every day, but there are times I have to reread a passage because I haven't been focused and concentrating on God's Word. Or there are days when I just don't feel like reading. I read it anyway, and the Lord uses His Word to convict me and change my heart. Isaiah 48 says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another story about the Peters family. Bye for now.